One of my greatest values and priorities for holding both is to foster community. I offer multiple support and process groups that are held from the vantage point of an occupational therapist who specializes in mental health and women's health. I call these my support circles. In May, the complete circle begins. This group is tailored to those deciding to end their secondary infertility journey without a second child. This will be a safe space to hold gratitude for motherhood as it is, even though it looks different than one might have pictured initially. The topic of this podcast aligns with the theme of this group. If this is relatable to you and you would like more information, please email me at allie at holdingbothllc.com. That is A-L-L-I-E at holdingbothllc.com or follow the link in the show notes to learn more. Hi, my name is Allie. Welcome to the Secondary Infertility Podcast. I'm an occupational therapist with training in mental health, women's health, and health literacy. I experienced secondary infertility and loss myself, and I know that there is complexity in holding both the joys of motherhood and the pain and yearning that comes along with infertility at the same time. I want to be a conversation catalyst for this very important topic. Welcome. I'm glad you're here. Welcome back to the Secondary Infertility Podcast. I am Allie, your host, and today I'm here with my best friend of almost 32 years. Kelsey is a 33-year-old math teacher who spent the last two years in the stay-at-home mom role. She's a mother to a -a two-and-a-half-year-old boy and an eight-week-old boy. She's a native Michigander but has spent the last decade living in six different homes as she supported her husband with his medical training. Her family has finally been able to put down some roots in the last few months, and she's now navigating what it looks like to find community for herself and her young family. Kelsey is also my first choice on the dance floor whenever Spice Girls are played, my former Girl Scout troop mate, and the one exception that my parents had when I turned 16 to the no friends in the car rule. She, as I mentioned, she's been my best friend for over 30 years. Welcome, Kelsey. Hi, thanks for having me. Of course. So let's get right into it. I want to talk first. Can you tell our listeners what your professional background is? Yeah, absolutely. So I went to school for secondary education. My degree is actually in mathematics, but for education. And I taught, I student taught here in Michigan for a year and then moved out to New York City and taught at a secondary school in the Bronx. It was 6 to 12. So I taught middle school for a couple of years and then high school, and then moved back to Michigan and taught at a high school there, math classes as well. That's awesome. I remember coming to visit you in New York when you and Nick were living there, and it was so fun. It was my 25th birthday, and I remember my husband, Michael, and I just loving New York. And that was part of the reason why we decided to move to a city. And that's why we wanted to move to Chicago. We stayed in the Midwest, but we loved New York. It was just such a cool experience. What was your favorite part about living in New York? I think New York for me was also something that I never like saw in my life. I ended up moving out there because that's where my husband went to. Well, not husband at the time, but boyfriend. He went to medical school, eventually became my husband. And 
So I applied for teaching jobs after student teaching here in Michigan and also in New York. And I got a job in New York and just kind of decided I'd lived in Michigan my whole life. Like, just let's do something different. And I'm so glad I did because both my husband and I think it like totally got us out of this like comfort zone that we've lived in forever and just introduced us to so many new people, different cultures. What I love most about the city is all its different neighborhoods and how you can, you know, walk a couple blocks and just feel like you're in a totally different city, even though it's all, you know, New York and just being able to walk to a bookstore and a coffee shop and a restaurant and just having so many different experiences all in one day because New York has so much to offer. Yeah, the coffee shops and bookstores, I feel like that's my love language. I know we both share a love for books. Um, We both love to read. What kind of things do you like to read? I'm kind of all over the place. Um, My favorite, I would say, are memoirs, for sure. I just find reading about other people's lives so interesting. And I think it makes, I found that it, I feel it makes me a better person, just like knowing all these different stories. And I feel like it's made me more compassionate and a better listener, just realizing that everyone's lives are so dramatically different and everyone has their own story to tell. So for me, memoirs are definitely my favorite. I love, you know, your psychological thriller every once in a while, too. But I, I really love memoirs, some nonfiction as well. I'll throw in the the occasional, you know, romantic comedy type book that often happens in my, my book clubs and stuff. But I kind of like a big genre for sure. I love that. Are you currently in a book club? I'm not. I'm actually looking to start a book club. I was in a book club before we moved to Canada a year ago and then we ended up moving back here to to Michigan and I was in a book club and I really loved it and now I'm I'm just moved into a new neighborhood and there's a lot of moms around my age and so I want to start a book club because I feel like we all kind of share a a love for for reading and it's a really nice escape from the day-to-day life of mom tasks for sure. I could not agree more with that. Actually, this morning I posted a reel about getting lost in a bookstore, and I want to be more intentional this year about sharing on holding both different things that helped me during my secondary infertility journey in terms of what I did outside of thinking about that outside of motherhood, because of course, going through secondary infertility, you have a child or children. And I felt like reading things that had nothing to do with secondary infertility, infertility, pregnancy loss, reading things that were completely outside of that realm was one of my favorite go-to things. You know, getting lost in a bookstore, like I said, or just sitting down with coffee and reading something, finding new genres. I actually learned about a new genre yesterday. Have you heard of Cozy Mysteries? No, but I feel like this would be something I would like. (laughs) So how it was explained to me by a different person that I interviewed for the podcast was that they're mysteries that have like a charming background, but like also mysteries. So bakeries are involved. It's almost, it seemed like almost the Hallmark movies of mysteries, Okay, but books. So I'm going to look into that. Yeah. Yeah. That's always nice. I love a good plot twist, but I don't always love the the darkness that comes from some of the the more thrillers, you know. The thriller mystery. No, I agree. Yeah. I, I completely agree. So what I wanted to get into next was 
your and my friendship eventually will lead into how you supported me through my secondary infertility journey and how I supported you through your pregnancy at the same time. I feel like that is going to be awesome to talk about. But I want to share with listeners the background of our friendship because I feel like at our ages, having friends that you've known for over 30 years is is maybe rare. And I think our friendship is really special and unique. So I'd love to talk about it. Yeah, so we absolutely. met we met when we were two and three. You were two, I was three. And our moms were stay-at-home moms. And there was another family in our neighborhood that the mom was also a stay-at-home mom. So there was three families that we did a lot together. So tell me about your take on our friendship at the beginning and what you remember from our early, early days. Yeah, I think, you know, like you said, our our moms are a big part of why we, we became friends because they kind of leaned in on each other when they were both stay-at-home moms and living right down the street, obviously, I was a part of it. But I think, you know, as as kids, we just, we had some similar interests and we had so much fun together. It was like a big group of girls. You know, I have a younger sister and you having two younger sisters. There was five of us girls kind of, you know, running around and, and us as the older sisters, I feel like we always had the fun role of making our little sisters play with us in ways that maybe they didn't want to, <laughs> such as we got to be the teachers when we played school and made them be the students. We had a lot of fun, a lot of like make-believe kind of play when we were little kids. And unfortunately, maybe to the detriment of our little sisters, they were always willing, great willing participants, I think. I, I think so too. And now that I'm thinking about it, I think about a very holding both kind of moment in terms of, or a holding both kind of overarching theme in terms of the moms that were friends with each other. So there was, as we said, three families and three moms who all were the exact same age, and they had all lost their moms within like the span of a year. So they all lost their moms when they were in their what, early 30s, mid 30s? which I feel like is a, um, that is kind of what brought them together and made them close, I think. And so they had that, that in common, but then they also, it's, they also found the joys in bringing their, their children together. So even though that was something that they had in common, they also found joy together. And so I, had forgotten that. And as we were starting to talk, I remembered that. And I think that that was so powerful for them, even though we weren't aware of that. Like we were aware of our grandmas passing away, but I don't think we were aware of that kinship that they, the three of them found through each other. Yeah, definitely. I don't think at the time we were really aware of that, that may have, you know, been a big part of why they connected so well. But I think it was kind of great for us as well, having all, you know, lost a grandparent as young kids to kind of go through that experience together. What, even though it's not, you know, not necessarily a positive experience, I think it was nice to be able to have other people who were, you know, experiencing something similar and could kind of connect in that way. Mm-hmm. I'm way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it, it was kind of like, when my mom was and dad were going through a hard time with my grandma passing away, I, I was in first grade. And so I really wasn't like, you know, able to understand 
you know, truly what was was going on. And I think like your mom kind of provided a escape um, for us in that time in a safe place. Um, and I think it was nice that they were able to do that. Your mom was able to do that for my mom's children when my mom maybe wasn't, you know, in the right emotional space to be able to provide that in that exact moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think a lot about my mom maybe going through that experience a year or so before I maybe identifying a little bit about what your mom might be feeling without her even having to say and reaching her hand back and providing support. So I think just reflecting back on that, I feel like that was such a great example that our moms showed us at that time, even though, like I said, we probably didn't understand the gravity of how that was. I think now looking back and as, as an adult, it's really powerful, yeah, to see that. Absolutely. And then and then we became we continued to be close through elementary school, middle school, high school, even though we were a grade apart and we did a lot of things together. I feel like we were in a lot of extracurriculars at the same time, like tennis, girl scouts. What else did we do? Dance? You dance? Oh yeah, we have some some fun dance pictures for sure. I think we did swim lessons at the YMCA with yeah. you guys. Yeah, a whole bunch, a whole bunch of different stuff. I think. Yeah, and we were part we ended of the up same working swim at club. the same place in high, yeah. in high school. Yeah. Do you want to tell them what we did? <laughs> yeah. So we we both we worked at a retirement community in the dining room. Um, we started off as servers in the dining room, and then we both you became a hostess, and I was like, okay, Alice gets to hang out at the hosting hall. <laughs> the time then that's where i want to be because i want to hang out with her so then i shortly after became a hostess as well in the dining room and we did that all through all four years of, of high school i think and then our timelines became very similar in terms of our bigger life events in terms of you and your now husband started dating around a similar time as me and my now husband we were in college at the same time we did grad school at similar times. You moved to New York first, and then I moved to Chicago. And we had, it was just, it was cool to see that parallel in the different experiences we had apart, but they felt together because it was like a long distance friendship, but a lot of similar things going on. Yeah, it was really nice. Like, even though after college, we have never really like lived in the same place actually after high school right because we went to different colleges but it's been kind of nice even though we're you know living further apart just always having that friendship that's just like a phone call away you can call and you know and, and kind of like what you mentioned before with your mom supporting my mom when her um, mom passed away without like really my mom having to like vocalize or ask for it I feel like that's kind of what our friendship has has always been and like when you when you you know need each other you can pick up the phone and and we're always there for each other you know just somebody that will that will listen to us and laugh with us that'll you know get angry with us <laughs> all, all, of the, all of the emotions that you need to feel it's like you've got someone who will just like ride it with you which is pretty awesome yeah i i could not agree more with that and our inside jokes i feel like we've had since what the early 90s i feel like sometimes yeah, absolutely. Sometimes we draw on those uh, to make each other laugh during things that we're going through or just in general and we're having casual conversation. And something else I wanted to bring up that I think is very, very cool in terms of grandparents is 
you know, as we mentioned, our maternal grand grandmothers passed away when we were kids, but our paternal grandmothers became connected and became acquaintances and kind of friends through our families, which I think is incredible. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I love that story. You know, my my family is Turkish. My dad's side of the family and your dad's side of the family being Armenian. Historically, we're not always the friendliest to each other, yeah. given all of this, the history that is there between those two cultures. And it was kind of awesome to like see our grandparents just like really love our friendship. You know, I, I, anytime any person of Middle Eastern origin would hear their best friends, she's Armenian and she's Turkish, they'd say, Oh, wow. And it was not till we got older that we realized the significance of that. And I think in today's climate, in today's world, it really gives me appreciation of the people are not their government or the people are not their conflict. So it was, it was, it's really powerful. So then our friendship, we, I went on to get married in 2016 and you were bridesmaid my wedding, which is so fun. And my wedding day was crazy. But yeah, it was just such an honor for you to stand up next to me when we got married and for you to dance into the Armenian dance. We did the the circle dance and we did the traditional Armenian music. And I just remember that was really fun to do with everybody. And then after that, you got married in 2018. And mm-hmm. I remember and I was you pregnant. Were, you were on the dance floor with me dancing to the Turkish yes. music then. Yes. Oh, that was so that was so fun. And you were so supportive of me when I welcomed our first son into the world um about maybe four or five months later. So that was cool to be able to tell you about motherhood and tell you about what I was doing my day to day. And even though we were in a different chapter in terms of motherhood. You always supported me and you were always asking me questions and it was really cool. But I think what's been interesting about us like having these kind of parallel lives is that like we've kind of traded off. Like even though you're you're older, like some of the things you have kind of encountered first in life and have been able to like share your expertise and experience with me and that, motherhood being one of them. And in other situations, I've, you know, had some of the experiences first and have been able to share with you. So it, that has been a really fun dynamic in our relationship that we kind of both get to be like the learner and the teacher at, at different times. So Yeah, no, I agree. Because growing up, as we said, I'm a year older than Kelsey. So I was a great ahead. And we are actually we almost have our birthdays are in the same week. We're both May, end of May babies. So exactly a year apart. But as we've gotten older, it, we don't, it doesn't matter anymore. It doesn't seem like, I don't, I never think about that. No, definitely not. Definitely no. And so this was 2019 when I had my first son and then 2020, the pandemic started. And then I remember that summer, I, we had, started trying to have our second. And it was the beginning of what was a difficult experience for us, but it was the beginning of it. So I thought, okay, I I honestly, I didn't really expect what was to come. But I remember having a conversation that you were looking forward to starting your family too. Would you like to talk about that a little as much as you feel comfortable? Sure. So, you know, my husband we knew so his residency for work was five was five years so we were in detroit for five years and then we knew he would have to do a one-year fellowship somewhere 
And he was applying to places outside of Michigan. So we knew that that would take us outside of Michigan. And so, you know, in terms of of a baby, we were trying to like figure out when would be the best time. I knew I didn't want to be, you know, with a newborn, like in in a foreign state that I'd never lived in before, away from all of my family and my husband's family and support. So um, we were hoping to have, you know, a baby prior to that. And so around the same time that you were kind of thinking about trying for your second, my husband and I were thinking about trying for our first and, you know, trying to time that the best that we could. I remember we had so many funny conversations like what would be the best age for him to like move and like trying to count back like, okay, well then, you know, you're going to need nine months from there. And then like trying to estimate how long we thought it might take us to get pregnant, which is just like, so silly right (laughs) yeah any of this but like I remember having those conversations you know with you at the time and just you know how supportive and I feel like I probably was a little naive in that process of thinking like okay well if I want this then we just start trying here and then this and like thinking everything just works out the way that (laughs) that you plan it and I think you were really kind and graceful for me <laughs> in that moment of like not of just like trying to be supportive and optimistic with me like at at that time and not you know bursting my bubble and being like hey <laughs> it doesn't always work out that way um but I think going through your ex- watching you go through your experience has been obviously really eye-opening to me we were fortunate not to really struggle with any fertility issues with my with my son. So I think I was still naive to a lot of that. And I think my friendship with you and going through that has really opened up my eyes to, you know, things do not always go <laughs> the way that yeah. you plan them, especially when it comes to trying to have kids and just being more compassionate and more understanding of everybody's journey to motherhood looking different. Yeah, I have a question for you. And I don't even know if I asked you this when when we were ta- yeah. having these conversations. But did my story from prior, like the, from my first experience in terms of my infertility and loss, did that ever scare you or make you nervous or because I know I try to I try to dial it back with my friends or the people I was confiding into confiding to at the time but i feel like it might be a little bit eye-opening for some people or yeah yeah i think definitely more so with our second pregnancy so with my first i think i was still kind of in this naive bubble of like we want to have you know a baby who you know at least 15 months old when we move which means we have to have a baby at this month on this date which is just like so silly when I think back on it but that was like totally my mathematical brain trying to just Mm -hmm. like plan everything so logistically um so I think with when we started talking about um our second um and you know the age gap is always a big a big thing that um I feel like parents feel the pressure for um and we definitely you know both my myself being close in age to my siblings and my husband, that was something that like we were were looking for. And so then having knowing your fertility issues and just being privy to some of the things that you had gone to definitely like made me more aware of 
Like you can't just decide you want to have a baby and then the next month, like, I mean, sometimes it works that way, but you know, it doesn't always work that way. And I think for sure it just made me more aware of it. And it did make me a little more nervous of like, okay, maybe we should start trying earlier than we maybe were originally going to just in case it takes longer. So yeah, I definitely think our conversations about your journey, you know, impacted deciding when we wanted to try for for a second for sure. Yeah, I something I've heard and I cannot remember where I heard it from. I've heard it multiple times though, I think from different people is when trying for a baby, be prepared for it to take a long time, but also be prepared for it to happen right away. So be prepared for either situation because you truly don't know, you know? Yeah. I I think that was kind of our situation with the second is that I was really worried that it would take longer than it did to get pregnant for us with our second. And so we started trying maybe earlier than we were living in Canada at the time. And so I didn't really want to have a baby in in Canada. I wanted to be home with my OB that I had my first with because I had such a great relationship with her. And I didn't really want to start trying until we had moved back to the U.S. because I really wanted my OB to be there for me during my, you know, all of my OB care. And because of, you know, knowing you, but since being knowing you and, you know, learning more about infertility, secondary infertility, I feel like I've met so I know so many more people in my life that have, you know, struggled with infertility or secondary infertility. So it definitely made me feel like we need to start trying earlier, just in case it doesn't happen right away. And then when it did happen right away, we were kind of like, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We have to be ready for this, for this now. Yeah, like an eyes wide open oh. thing in terms of sure. you knowing more. Or I know the uh, conversation that you and I had had was someone in your life was going through IVF, I believe, at the same time as you found out that you were pregnant with your first and navigating how to how to how to be there for that person as well as celebrating what you were going through what do you feel like you what do you feel like you took away from that in terms of that experience yeah i feel like i'm so thankful to how helpful you were um, into helping me navigate that experience because i i remember when i was pregnant with with my first i was like, oh, I need to tell Allie in person. This is like such big news. Like I want her, I want to be with her. But you living, you know, in a different state, it wasn't an option. So I was like, okay, I have to get her on the phone so I can FaceTime her and tell her about this, right? And that's what I did. And you were obviously extremely excited for me. And, you know, it was it was great. But I remember since since talking to you, you know, about some of the more kind ways of sharing i guess some of this i would have totally done that differently knowing what you were going through at the time and i think you really helped me navigate that better with a good friend of mine who was struggling with secondary infertility when i found out she had been trying for years to have a second and she also knew that i hadn't been trying very long to have a baby and so then i felt really guilty you know that like why is this happening for me so easily when this person is you know such so deserving and you know it's not why why isn't this happening for her and then like 
I was really nervous to tell her that I was pregnant, not because I thought she wouldn't be happy for me, but just like to feel like, oh, that's another person she has to hear, like is having a baby when that's what she wants for herself and has been struggling. And I remember you told me like sometimes texting the information is a really great way to tell people. And, you know, before that I had thought like, oh, I could never just like text Allie that I'm pregnant. Like that just seems like a so such an informal way and like. It seems like it's too big of a deal to just send over text, but you kind of sharing with me of like sending via text like takes the, you know, expectation of a reaction away from the recipient and like how, like if you get that information via text, you can feel and react however you want in that moment and you don't have to worry about like how, you know, the sender of that information feels or, you know. Yeah, like seeming excited enough or for what it's worth, though, I remember you telling me that and just being genuinely so excited because I also thought, all right, I'm about to be pregnant because we're going to do the same thing that we did before um, and we get to do this at the same time. So to me, in that moment, that felt so exciting and like, okay, this is going to be really, really cool and fun to do together. Unfortunately, yeah. it did not work out that way. But I think I it's really, I think it's really powerful that you were saying, like, with your friend that you were supporting, um, feeling like you knew how you could show up for her um, and be compassionate with her. And I was thinking too, too, when I did get pregnant for the first time when we were trying for our second, and I was so excited because I was like, okay, so this is going to be two months after Kelsey has her baby. I'm going to have mine. This is going to be great. Um, And then I remember having a miscarriage and thinking, okay, I need to, I want to tell Kelsey, but I'm not sure how to tell her in terms of, I don't want to solely make this about me right now because I'm so excited for her. She is so happy. And also, I felt like I knew in my heart of hearts, I knew that when I told you, you wouldn't think twice like that I was taking away from anything or, oh man, now I have to like hold both and support this at the same time as is what you were going through. You were so, I, I'll never forget that text and I wish, I mean, it's like all the way back up in 2020. <laughs> I don't really delete my threads, but I wish I had it in front of me because I would love to read it because it was just so honest like on both ends i just remember saying like this is what happened i'm upset for obviously so many reasons but one of the reasons was that we don't get to do this together at the same time but i'm going to be here for you and celebrate with you now i feel like i I know i'm getting teary-eyed over here (laughs) i think like what has been such a privilege of mine watching you go through your struggle with infertility as it has taught me that like no matter what someone else is going through, they can still be genuinely happy for you and their struggle or their pain or their grief doesn't take away from the, you know, genuine emotion that they feel for you. And I think you kind of taught me that, you know, it made me feel much more comfortable sharing that I was pregnant and knowing that my friend who had been struggling with secondary infertility for a while she could be sad and be frustrated with her struggle, but her excitement for me was still genuine, you know? And even if, you know, there's times where you feel like 
you might have to fake the excitement a little more, like just trying to be, I think like being a better friend and letting her know that like, you don't always have to fake being excited for me. Like I know you're genuinely excited and happy for me, regardless of, you know, what you are hoping for, Mm -hmm. for yourself. I think that has helped me be a better friend to other women in my life that are struggling with this. And that, you know, I definitely have you and you sharing your and being open about your journey with me to thank for that because I don't, I don't know that I would have, you know, been able to be as supportive or understanding without seeing you, you know, be able to carry both of those emotions at the same time and, and know that just because someone's struggling with something or doesn't mean that they're not happy for you at the same time, you know? Mm -hmm. And yeah, I feel like the feelings ebb and flow and it was such a weird time because I remember it was 2020 and it was really the height of everything being shut down. Um, and I remember you couldn't have a baby shower in person and just there was definitely different experiences that that you felt. And I was always so hopeful. And so it meant you know, it was so important to me to be able to show up for you in your pregnancy in that way, even though the world was different at the time. And I I remember a really good lesson from, from it too, was that like, knowing that like, you don't need to depend on other people's happiness for you Mm -hmm. to be happy for yourself. Mm -hmm. And that's something that like really my first pregnancy taught me because it was during COVID. And you know, I was teaching virtually. So I remember our first day back was like, I think I was seven months pregnant at the time, my first yeah. day back to teaching in person that school year. And my students didn't know I was pregnant because <laughs> I had been teaching them on Zoom for the yeah. whole school year. And they'd only seen me like shoulders up. And I remember their faces like walking into class, like seeing me with my like giant pregnant belly and being like, oh, <laughs> you know, they had no idea. But it really kind of like taught me to like, just kind of you know have that pregnancy for myself and my husband and like our close family and friends and like not looking for everyone else to be super excited for us about it and just like being able to be happy with the fact that we're excited and we're happy about it and like Mm -hmm. um i think that's that's a good lesson to learn is that like first of all no one's going to be as excited about anything in your life as you are, and your mom you know, like, <laughs> you're, yeah, I, I feel like your mom is yeah, yeah yeah so it's just you know I think it, in telling anyone pregnancy news like just not having that expectation either that like they're not going to be as excited as you are about your pregnancy and like that's okay mm-hmm. like don't put that expectation on anybody else um yeah I I think that's a good point and I also wanted to talk a little bit too about your second pregnancy in terms of, I know that you said that you and your husband were going to tell your friend group and there was something that you had to navigate and how you did that. Yeah. So we found out we were pregnant. I was living in Canada at the time and, you know, all my family and friends were, you know, majority of them were back in Michigan and we were coming home for Easter and we wanted to share the news with our family, both, you know, my, my in-laws and, and my parents and siblings. And then right before we 
came back for our trip, we our family kind of found out that somebody close to our family had recently suffered a miscarriage. So we had just gotten that information and it seemed like not the best time to share that we were pregnant and celebrate. It, it just didn't feel like the right time to be celebrating that. And so even though we weren't going to be back in Michigan again for six weeks, my husband and I kind of decided to not say anything when we were back um, and, you know, try to hide the pregnancy a little bit until we were back again six weeks later. So I actually didn't tell my family or my husband's family about my pregnancy until I was 12 weeks pregnant, which for me was very different than the, the first time. The first time, you know, shortly after we found out we were pregnant, that five or six weeks, we we told our immediate family. But it just, it didn't feel like the right time to be to be celebrating with the family just kind of hearing and dealing with the with the loss um so yeah we had to kind of change plans no oh, i think that's so valuable too of being able to zoom out and then decide for yourselves because i feel like there's no right or wrong way to do it um but yeah i think that's valuable that you're able to even take that into consideration and zoom out decide what was best for you and your family at that point in time um and what felt best and go with that you know because if you would have done it the other way that probably you know that could have been great and fine too um but i think it's yeah. like the power was in your hands to choose and i think that's that's great that you acknowledge that too for sure and it was never like a concern that you know the people or the people close to those who had just suffered a miscarriage would wouldn't be happy or excited enough to, you know, to hear that kind of news. It was more of just like, it just didn't feel like the right time to, to be celebrating when we just kind of heard of a loss, just being mindful for everybody, not just the people who had the loss, not for us, but like all involved, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, thank you for sharing that. The thing I want to wrap up with that I feel like I probably know because I know you so well that I always ask people, what makes you you outside of motherhood and what are your creative outlets? I I like to know that and I like to have people share that. Yeah, so, you know, I'm in this interesting time right now because I have been home on leave with my, my now two sons. And I'm used to, you know, going to work every day. And now, like, majority of my day consists of, you know, playing games with my toddler and potty training and all the mom stuff. So it is hard to kind of get out of mom mode. But when I do, you know, books are a big escape um, for me, for sure. Right now, my more creative project has kind of been our home. So my husband and I have you know, lived in six different homes over the past decade because of his training. And, you know, we've we've wanted somewhere to kind of make our own for so long. And now we kind of are in a place where we feel like we can be here for a while. So, you know, just learning more about design right now and like how we can, you know, really make this place feel like it's ours because we've lived in rental yeah. places for, you know, a year or two here, a year or two there. It's a, you know, really put a lot of effort into making this place feel like our home is, you know, my biggest, I feel like, joy outside of motherhood right now. Yeah, that's that's cool because I feel like 
now that we're talking about that too, that's a parallel that you and I have. We moved pretty close to the same time into our first houses that we own as families. So that's been fun to talk with you about that. And I will probably have to get some of your advice for design because yeah, I think it's, I think it's so fun to hear from others and get, get different glimpses into different people's tastes and stuff. And I really want to get back onto Pinterest. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Pinterest is a great place for those ideas (laughs) for sure. (laughs) This has been such a good conversation. I am so happy that you wanted to come on when I asked you. I think there are many women in my holding both community that are in our shoes that are either women who are having difficulties getting pregnant or women who are maybe their friends following me because they do want to know um, how to best support their friends. So I think that our conversation was very valuable and thank you for being here. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. I hope you found this episode of the Secondary Infertility Podcast to be meaningful. One of the best ways to support me and my show is to rate and leave a review. For more secondary infertility content, please come find me at Holding Both on Instagram. That's H-O-L-D-I-N-G-B-O-T-H on Instagram. Thank you.